are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, teacher, mom, and chair of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is September 10th, 2023, and this is episode 242 of Lighthearted. There are two segments in today's episode. We're going to talk about a unique lighthouse photography project, and then we'll talk with the winner of our recent dance contest. It's hard to believe we're into September, and summer is pretty much over, and you're back to school. Is that right, Michelle? Yes, it is right, Jeremy. I am back to school. This was our first full week. Um, today was actually our first day with students in eighth grade, and it's going to be an interesting year, to say the least. We're pretty short-staffed, and but we're going to, you know, in education, we're pretty resourceful, so we're going to make the best of it and do the best we can, so. Yeah, well, I'm sure you will, and for li- I think a lot of our regular listeners might remember, but you're a special ed teacher at the Rochester, yes. New Hampshire Middle School, right? Yes, yep. So you are to be commended again. We've talked about it before, but you got into this uh, later than most people get into teaching. Yes. But uh, I think it's just fantastic. So hang in there, and I'm sure uh, you'll do you'll do fine because you're so dedicated well, to you. it. Yes. So uh, before we get to today's interviews, I, I want to mention three lighthouse cruises that are coming up this month. First, on Saturday, September 23rd, Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses will be holding the annual five lighthouse crews from Rye, New Hampshire. But that one is already sold out. I got two more to, to tell people about. Uh, I'll be narrating that cruise, by the way. And then later that day, I'll be driving up to Bar Harbor, Maine, for an all-day so-called Grand Slam lighthouse cruise uh, with Bar Harbor Whale Watch. Uh, we talked about that in last week's episode. I will be co-narrating that one uh, with my friend Bob Trapani. For more info, you can call Zach Cliver. Uh, at 207-460-9575. Again, Zach Cliver at 207-460-9575 or email maincoastlights at gmail.com, maincoastlights at gmail.com. So, Michelle, please tell everyone about the special event that's happening later that same week. Sure, Jeremy. On Friday, September 29th, there will be a two-hour sunset sail on the Gundalow Piscataqua, leaving from Prescott Park in Portsmouth. It's a benefit for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. We will have music with our friend Pat Heffernan. There will be food on board, and there will also be a silent auction featuring a framed print by our first guest today, Christian Fiedler. To get tickets for the event, go to PortsmouthHarborLighthouse.org. Yeah, it's going to be a fun event. I will be on that one. I'll do a little talking about our local lighthouses as we go by, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse and Whaleback Lighthouse. And also Christian will be on board to talk about his uh, special print. So you're going to hear all about that in the the, uh, interview coming up in a couple of minutes here. Uh, Are you going to be aboard that? Uh, sale as well, Michelle? I believe I will be, Jeremy. I hope so. And I yes. think uh, Cindy is uh, coming on board too. We'll have our lighthearted team on board. Uh, oh, perfect. Yeah, our uh, mutual friend and other frequent co-host, Cindy Johnson, will be there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so we'll have uh, the lighthearted team. And uh, as I said, Kristen Fiedler, the uh, photographer, will be on board as well. I hope we'll see some podcast listeners on the Gundalow on September 29th. 
And for people who don't know, a gundalo is a type of sail barge that used to carry freight on the rivers around Portsmouth. The gundalo Piscataqua carries passengers on scenic cruises that include Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse and Whaleback Lighthouse. So again, people can go to PortsmouthHarborLighthouse.org for information and tickets. So that leads nicely to our first guest today. Help me out, Michelle. Sure, Jeremy. Christian Fiedler is a photographer based in New Jersey. His main focus is on solographs, backpacking photography, and analog film of all types. Solographs are a niche form of pinhole photography that stretches single exposure images to an extreme exposure length, relying on homemade cameras, darkroom paper, and a small pinhole instead of a glass lens. Solographs allow an image to be captured over months or years. The path of the sun and the landscape appeared directly on the surface of the paper. Christian discovered solograph photography during the COVID pandemic lockdown. His uh, Beacons Through Time uh, is a solograph pinhole photography project that is focused on East Coast lighthouses. As Christian has stated regarding what drew him to the project, Quote, with the sun orbiting in grand arcs over the horizon month after month, these beacons through time have endured centuries of quiet and distinguished service, unquote. So I recently had a chance to talk with Christian Fiedler. Let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking this afternoon with Christian Fiedler, a photographer who has done a, or is uh, still doing, I believe, a really, really interesting photography project that relates to lighthouses. And I, I've uh, uh, met uh, Christian a number of times, and I'm really looking forward to talking uh, about this today. So thanks so much for joining me today, Christian. Thank you for having me. Appreciate being on. Certainly. Uh, so first, uh, if we could just say a little bit about your background uh, before this uh, SolarGraph project that we're going to talk about, what kinds of photography have you done? Yeah, pretty boring before I got into solographs, which we'll talk about what that is. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I like, um, earlier you were commenting on the background in my, in the Zoom call that we're in right now. I do a lot of, used to do a lot of wilderness stuff. I still do. I love hiking and backpacking. So for years I've carried little digital cameras with me when I'm on the trail. And, uh, you know, it, it's just nice to snap pictures, do a little trip report, remember things with friends and family that I'm doing, share with the public. So I've always, uh, yeah, I've always been into, in, into photography mostly digital stuff, mostly um, you know, general outdoor documentary kind of photography. That, sure. that all changed during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, landscape photography is, is certainly something that has a great tradition, uh, going back to Ansel Adams and others and before, long before that. So am I correct in saying that uh, photography is a hobby for you? And part two of that question is, what is your day job? Yeah, um, it is a hobby for me. It's become a pretty involved hobby, but my day job is uh, I, I work in data analytics. So I had about a 10-year career working in different technology companies and other corporations working on their database systems, data warehouse systems, analytics stuff. Some mm -hmm. of that kind of came through into this project a little bit, at least some of those skills. There's been, I think, some funny crossovers between my professional skill set and running a project like this. But uh, yeah, photography is a hobby for me don't really have any intention to turn it into a job. It's just a fun creative outlet for me. A mm -hmm. way to experience different things, meet different people. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great when different aspects of your life kind of mesh like that, like you're saying. So uh, you have a website that I was looking at. The website is called Primitive Pines. 
And uh, you mentioned the the people can't see it on the podcast, but uh, the the uh, image you're using behind you in, in Zoom uh, certainly has some pines. So I think I can guess where the name comes from. But yep. uh, why why do you call your website Primitive Pines? It comes from a, a Thoreau quote. Um, Henry David Thoreau did a, he wrote a really cool little tract called The Maine Woods. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this one part where he 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 like chronicles climbing Mount Katahdin, and there's this great line that I, I forget when I read it years ago, but you know he says, "My nature grows ever more young, the primitive pines among." And I just love that. I like the alliteration. I love being outside. It's worth reading the Maine Woods if you're familiar with Maine, and if you haven't, it's it's really something else. So mm-hmm. I, it just stuck with me, and I figured, hey, this is a especially with so much outdoor photography, at least how this little personal project site started. I thought it was a nice little uh, kind of catchphrase to use. Definitely. I haven't read any Thoreau in a long time. You're making me feel like I should go back and, and read that. Yeah, the Katahdin uh, tract is awesome. It's it's a really, really uh, great section of, of that work. Mm-hmm. For listeners in other parts of the country, you might not know Mount Katahdin is the highest peak in the state of Maine. Uh, beautiful area, uh, inland Maine. So what kinds of things can people see on your website? Yeah, so like I mentioned, it, it's not really a commercial website. It, it really started as like a sort of a, a personal project site, sort of a, a a different spin on like a traditional Facebook page, right? It gives me a little more creative control over what goes up there. I own all the data. Um, it, it lets me present. It's not it's not really meant for high publicity even. It's, it's, just, it's just a place to catalog a lot of different projects that I've done in life, a place to share with friends. Like I mentioned earlier, I do backpacking trips and I'll do little trip reports. So I always have friends reviewing the pages of the trips they took with me and kind of reminiscing and uh, a place to share resources, um, things like that. So Mm -hmm. just a a small personal project site. One, (laughs) I never expected this to happen, but uh, one kind of sort of funny thing that happened is it went viral last week. So I, on my tiny little personal site, I had like 150,000 users hit it. Um, Hi last maybe two weeks ago yeah someone linked some info about solar graphs from the website reddit and it happened to get get very high in the rankings and next thing i know i had like uh all these alerts coming in from google analytics saying like congratulations on your first you know 100 users i thought that's cool then congratulations on your first thousand users congratulations on your first 10 and i thought oh my goodness (laughs) what's going on so yeah uh it's really just a little non-commercial personal project site but uh i guess occasionally it gets more popular yeah well congratulations on going Thank viral you. yeah you'll have funny. to give me some hints on how to do that because i haven't quite figured it out yet but uh let's talk about your your solar graph project your beacons through time project and a good place to start is why did you start it? what is the idea behind the whole project what what is it <laughs> is yeah absolutely question mm-hmm. so um this really has its origins in covid like in back in 2020 like many of us i was kind of bored uh cooped up inside needed something to do needed a project and i forget where i first stumbled upon it but probably online somewhere i found this unique style of photography called solar graphs and like i said i'd been interested in photography mostly digital outdoors documentary kind of stuff for years but i wasn't doing a lot of big hiking trips to take pictures of in those dark days of covid and, and i thought this would be really interesting to try and solar graphs are really, it's a niche within a niche. So it's uh, its pinhole photography. So it's a type of 
very sort of old-fashioned or low-tech photography that uses a, a small hole in a piece of metal instead of a glass lens. And what solar graphs do is they leverage that, but they 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 stretch out the picture for just an incredible amount of time. Like uh, you'll have a single exposure, a single photograph taken on this old kind of photographic darkroom paper, and and you could take a single image for six months. So I saw these images and I was really struck by it. Um, you can you can visualize it by imagining it's almost like a rainbow, but the rainbow is created by the sun transiting across the sky every day. It's high in the summer and low in the winter, and, and so these these images that you get from solar graphs that I saw early in COVID were just super striking. The idea of all this time captured in one place. And so in 2020, 2021, I, I did a little project in New Jersey, uh, my home state, just sort of trying this out, and learning it, and trying to get a little bit better at it. Uh, and, and and that project was sort of personally successful. I had a lot of fun. I got to collaborate with a lot of different people in the community and kind of arts organizations, universities and things like that. You know, like we talked about, I'm not a professional artist or anything, but that was a lot of fun for me and a great way to engage with the community and produce something novel. And coming out of that project, I knew I wanted to keep up with it. Um, I'd learned so much and uh, kept improving my craft. And uh, eventually I came on to the idea of doing lighthouses. And this was probably 2020. Late 2021, I decided my next big project was going to be lighthouses. Mm-hmm. That was like a very aesthetic decision. So all my favorite earlier solar graph work I did had a tall building in the middle. <laughs> and so um, I thought, hey, what better tall building than lighthouses? Especially being from New Jersey, right? There's a beach uh, element to it. And I thought, why don't I do a calendar of lighthouses, solar graphs? And then the project totally got away from me. I, I was originally <laughs> going to do 12. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened. I got really into lighthouses and thing. I know I was on the phone with you up in New Hampshire <laughs> asking yeah. if I could do this up at Portsmouth Harbor Light and making phone calls down to Georgia. And I ended up with, I think, about 40 lighthouses in the project from uh, Ivy Island down in Georgia all the way up to Marshall Point in Maine. Mm-hmm. So it started out aesthetic and it started out as a way to just I thought they would be cool subjects for the image. But the more I got into it, the more I really became interested in lighthouses and interested in the relationship between this style of art and and lighthouses. And I think thematically, they just started to fit together really well for me. And I talk about this a little bit on the Beacons Through Time project page. But, you know, these cameras are unique. I make these little things myself. I mount them in place and they kind of have to endure the wind and the rain and and they just are very patiently doing their thing and, and recording a very slow, steady image. And like that's not too different from lighthouses and what lighthouses mm-hmm. do, right? They just they're oftentimes in these in these temperamental areas on the coast and they're just kind of enduring it and they're just very patiently serving as a beacon. And, and so there's something there with this rhythm, right? Just like the sun going over the sky every day that these cameras are recording. So I don't know. There's all these thematic connections between the two that just kind of I, I, I ran with, and uh, it's been a real, a real fun time. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's it's been incredibly rewarding. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how the early days of photography in the world uh, kind of coincide with the what people often think is the gold of is the golden age of lighthouses, like the mid 1800s, 1850s, and that era. Um, actually, photography, some form of photography, goes back a little earlier than that, but photography really got going around that time 
And uh, some of the earliest photos of lighthouses in this country were taken by Edward Mybridge. I'm sure you know about him, a pioneer photographer. Mm. He photographs on the lighthouse on the West Coast. So there's a lot of ties between uh, early photography and, and lighthouses for sure. There was an 1859 survey, a uh, photographic survey of the lighthouses that existed at that time. So those are among, uh, you know, some of the, the classic images of early photography too. So I love the way this ties into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the holographs mm -hmm. are super low tech. So I have an article on um, Emulsive that goes into the uh, emulsive.org which goes into the very geeky details of kind of how this works and how I built these little cameras and stuff. But uh, I want to emphasize like there, there's no digital parts to them. There's no electronic parts to them. You don't have to plug them in, which was a common, a common <laughs> yeah, question I've seen I got. Them. You're not yeah. kidding. I've seen them. Yeah. And it, they're just, it's just old, dark, it's darkroom paper. So a very kind of early, like you were saying, like very almost old school um, photosensitive material with a non-glass lens with a little pinhole. And they're just designed in a certain way. They're built with certain measurements in mind and placed, you know, kind of put in place for long periods of time. And uh, using very, very old school technology, we can make something pretty novel, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. That old photographic paper uh, utilizes silver. Is that right? Silver halide in the emulsion, That's right. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I use you... old, like very old darkroom paper, like the earliest kind of photosensitive materials that were on the market, like in mm -hmm. the era that you were talking about. Yeah. And do you have a darkroom? I don't. I have. Well, I kind of do. There's parts of my my place that I can get very dark. Um, the interesting thing is, it's very not sensitive. So film is very sensitive. If you even if you've ever made the mistake like I have of popping the back of a camera open when there's film in it, it's it's ruined immediately. But this paper is so low sensitivity that you can actually handle it in dim light without an issue. So I typically mm -hmm. don't need a darkroom. So the images create themselves. Uh, you don't need to process it in any way. The the uh, the photographic paper in the camera actually just gradually produces the image. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. The way to think about this is um, slow and slow. It's like the ultimate slow cooking version of photography. So the paper itself is not very sensitive. The pinhole mm -hmm. doesn't let much light in. And those two things mixed together mean that we can take our exposure time, which is normally just, you know, you think about photography, a shutter clicks and it's almost instant. You know, it could be one sixtieth of a second. Well, we can stretch that time out to months um, by using such low sensitivity paper and using a pinhole that lets so little light in. And the sun mm -hmm. is bright enough. It's one of the only things really bright enough to almost burn an image into the paper directly without processing, as you say. And so, yeah, every day the sun goes over, it kind of burns or carves a new line, a new arc, arc in the image. Um, mm -hmm. And then slowly but surely, all these little surrounding details in the foreground, in the background, in this particular project case, you know, all these lighthouses, kind of slowly end up in the image as well over the course of three, four, five months. Yeah. So tell me more specifically about how you've gone about uh, capturing these images, uh, the placing of these cameras, how you did that, and how long you uh, left them out and that, all that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. So um, like you're alluding to, they have to be placed. So I have to put them somewhere and retrieve them. And so the this all started really before that. There was a big administrative part of the project where I first was introduced to you. Um, I, I knew I wanted to do a lighthouse project and I was starting to, like I said, it was starting to get away from me and grow in scope. And so I, I spent a lot of uh, 2022 coordinating kind of the administrative side of it. So choosing lighthouses that I wanted to be in this project. And there's mm -hmm. privately owned lighthouses, there's 
lighthouses owned by small municipalities, lighthouses run by museums and nonprofits, and tons in state and federal parks. So the project really started with seeking permission at, at all these different places. Um, and people were very receptive. Uh, it was a little tough sometimes to explain exactly what it was doing. And people were like, yeah, <laughs> hey, bet. we don't have a plug. You know, you can't, you can't plug your camera in. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be like zip tying it to a wall. You know, and they, they, were, they were like, what <laughs> yeah. are you talking about? But uh, most people really got it and, and were supportive of it. The other consideration I had is sort of when to place them, right? And so I wanted to do an East Coast project, but half the East Coast is down in the South. And certain times of the South are hurricane season. And so, you know, I thought about all these things. I didn't want to do this in hurricane season because these little cameras are left outside. I I, I, I try really hard to make them able to survive things like rain, but mm-hmm. hurricane winds are not something I think I can crack. So um, I, I, I knew I wanted to do this in the season outside of hurricane season. Finally, I was kind of windowed in by the sun itself. So I think the real magic of solar graphs solar's in the name it's it's the fact that the sun is in them the sun is very high at the summer solstice so june 21st you know the sun is at its highest here uh you know here in the northern hemisphere it's lowest winter uh in december 21st and and the images look really nice when you get this sort of spread where where you get you know low arcs and then every day they transition to become a little bit higher and so um, all those things drove me to to, to to choose trying a place between winter, this past winter, so that was winter 2022, 2023, to this past summer. So I had to do a handful of road trips after securing permission. I had to make all these cameras, first of all. So I made I made probably 350 of them. And like I mentioned, they're pretty rudimentary. Um, they're made out of tall drinks containers. Most of them <laughs> are actually 3D printed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I sort of worked up a, a design that I fix pinholes to, I, I place paper in them, I ruggedize them, and then they all get a unique, you know, the data side of me gave everyone a unique label and identifier that stored all this information, and they were all captured in this big database that I have. So after making them, then it was all about hitting the road. So I had to do, I think, two trips up through New England, where I, I, I met you on a couple of those um, up in New Hampshire. So heading mm-hmm. all the way up to Maine to place these, um, and then last january i did a i did a long trip down to tybee island and back stopping along the way at lighthouses in pretty much every state along the way so and then the wait began so i placed them maybe november through january this past season mm-hmm. and then starting in may i started scooping them up again in earnest yeah so more very long trips uh, up and down the coast very generous friends and family who let me crash on couches and uh, you know i did some camping along the way and Mm-hmm. I was really lucky to have people join me too. So I had I had friends and family join me on a couple of these trips. And pretty fun adventure. Um, yeah. yeah. So do you consider this project finished, or is this still going on? And I would consider. There's the truth is there's still a handful out there. <laughs> yeah, I have I have some active solar graphs still up there. Um, so it's not quite wrapped, but it's like ninety five percent done to the point where I'm pretty comfortable starting to get out there and talk about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. make prints for people and, and things like that. Sure. Uh, if people want to understand better what you're talking about, they're probably if people are listening and they haven't seen any of these images, they're probably thinking, "What the heck? You know, what does this look like? What's the best way for people to see these images?" Yeah, so you can go to primitivepines.com. You can Google it, and the project is called Beacons Through Time. So it's on the mm-hmm. projects section of the website. You can also just Google Beacons Through Time. Um, the name I actually I took from the the National Lighthouse Museum. So there's a there's an exhibit there about the history of lighthouses called Beacons Through Time. And I visited mm-hmm. that museum 
early in this project to get some inspiration. And I was like, oh, there it is. That's that's my name. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, it makes a lot of sense. And they actually mean two different things in the museum there. They're talking about lighthouses through the centuries. In your case, you're talking about lighthouses through a, a certain window of uh, a few months, several months. Uh, so it's it's a different uh, it's not this might be the words might be the same but they kind of have a different meaning I would exactly say. yeah but that's the best way to see it so I have them all cataloged on the mm -hmm. website um, in geographic order from north to south again I think there's about 30 up there right now with information about the lighthouses themselves information about how long the image was being taken really geeky stuff about how big the pinhole is and what kind of photographic paper I used for each uh, if, if you're, if you want to nerd out with me, um, <laughs> all that info is up there, but, but that's probably the best place to see everything together. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the most interesting images for you personally? What, what's been the most exciting images you've captured with this? I mean, and I'm not saying this just because I'm talking to you, but <laughs> the, the one from Portsmouth Harbor light in the big container, which is the masthead image for this project, I would, am so happy about. Me too. Um, yeah, I was blown away by how that came out. So so one thing actually that we should talk about is this is a very low control form of art. So it couldn't be more different from digital photography or taking picture with your phone. If you mm -hmm. take a picture with your phone, you, you can look at it. And if you don't like how it came out, you can immediately take another picture. Yep. Solographs are the opposite. There's this moment when you open them and you find out kind of the culmination of all this work and waiting and patience. Um, unlike digital photography, but with solographs, it's a long collaboration with with luck and Mother Nature. And apart from designing them and trying to place them intelligently and getting permission, I don't really have a lot of control over uh, how they turn out. And so when we when I visited you to retrieve these, I think it was late February. Um, I I popped open just to take a peek of of the one uh, placed kind of in the window of the fort. And I immediately knew it was going to be a good one. Like it looked really sharp and I got home and I scanned it and was just blown away at how sharp mm -hmm. it turned out. And so that was a great moment um, for me. That was an early one that I retrieved. And that was a moment where I poured a lot of time and thought into this project. And uh, when I saw that image, I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. Like this, this project is going to be successful. So yeah. great feeling and a great moment. And the other thing that I love about that is the sense of change. Yes. That, that image captures. And I mean, yes. you know this better than I. Um, that When did that storm hit? So December 23rd, 2022, just before last Christmas. Uh, yeah. We had a huge, huge storm that flooded the, the lighthouses on Coast Guard Station, Portsmouth Harbor in Newcastle, New Hampshire. And the station was badly flooded in that storm. And uh, I was I was lying at home recovering from a foot operation I had had a couple of days before that. And somebody in the Coast Guard uh, at the station there texted me a little video, and the video just very quickly showed pan towards the lighthouse. And I thought, holy cow, there's something missing there. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, 80-foot walkway, wooden walkway that led provided access to the lighthouse across the rocks was mostly gone, uh, was washed away in that storm. So that's your, what you're referring to as far as uh, capturing change yep. in that image. So because yeah. the solar, that solar graph ran from what, October through, I think, mid to late February. And because it's such a long exposure, you don't see little things moving in solar graphs. So people, hundreds of people, maybe thousands, walked through the image when it was being taken. But you'll never see a person move too quickly. Um, but some things will show up. 
kind of blurry things or shadowy things or you know if cars are parked in the similar places every day they'll show up like that and in this case the bridge was there the walkway was there for the first two months of the exposure and then mm -hmm. wasn't there anymore and so there's this ghostly bridge in the image um there's also if you look on the bottom part of that image again this is this is the main one at Portsmouth Harbor Light. You can kind of get a sense of the sea moving and it's kind of it's hazy. You get the sense of these waves coming in and out. But but the most noticeable thing is the fact that this bridge is like a ghost bridge. It's transparent. Mm -hmm. And through it, you can see you can see well back through it, though. It actually almost reveals more by being gone. I mean, I'm sorry that you lost the bridge, but it made for yeah. a very cool image for me. It, um, it did. I'm not sure it was worth it, but uh, yeah, something I don't good think came so out either. of it. Yeah, but... Um, you get a sense of this this drama. So there's like a little subtle story being told in the image. It's like a cool looking image, but then you 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 pay closer attention, and there's a very subtle story being told in the fact that this bridge was there and then not there, and you see that in the image. So that's my favorite part about solar graphs. Like that's the whole time aspect is telling telling a little story, subtle little story that's kind of hidden in the image somewhere about something that happened during those mm -hmm. you know three four five months of exposure. Yeah, well, I was really excited when I saw that image. I think it's fantastic. In a way, it sort of memorializes that that walkway. Uh, yeah. You know, a ghost ghost walkway or bridge is a nice way to put it. Uh, and you've also got a very uh, pronounced, very interesting streak of the sun through the sky and that as well. I think I got lucky. So so one thing, when, when we place these, um, you were there when I placed them, I have to think about where the sun comes up and goes down. So we're in the in the northern hemisphere now, and the sun's sort of biased to the south. You'll know this in the winter if uh, you know the days are short, but the sun kind of pokes its head up on the southern southern exposure and then drops back down pretty quickly from east to west. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have to pay attention when I try and compose these photos about where the sun will rise, which direction the cameras are facing. If I face the north, I actually won't get anything. There's no sun arcs kind of facing north. So um, the way that I place that one is. I had some sort of solar charts that would help me determine what uh, during what time of the year, where on the horizon the sun would pop up, kind of how it would mm -hmm. fly across the sky. And with that one, you know, it wasn't really quite faced south. Like I, I, I placed that one there as kind of a bet. You know, I was like, hey, we'll see if this one works. And I think it came out like splendid. Like the, the day that we placed that and then took it down, the arcs line up almost perfectly with the height of the lighthouse against the sun on the horizon. Mm -hmm. The whole thing just worked. It's like total serendipity. And again, that's the magic of solar graphs. Like it's this, you, you, we've, I realized what five months after placing it that, oh yeah, this ended up being great. So it's really delayed gratification on these things, but I'm really pleased yeah. with it. Yeah. Oh, I think it's an amazing image. So I want to talk about an event that's coming up on September 29th. We're doing a special event out of Portsmouth. New Hampshire, the, you're going to be part of. Uh, it's a benefit for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. We are a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation here uh, that I'm involved with. Uh, we're doing a sunset cruise aboard uh, the Gundalo Piscataqua. Of course, it's on the Piscataqua River. The Gundalo is a traditional uh, sail barge, a type of vessel that used to carry freight on the rivers around here. And the Gundalo Piscataqua operates out of Prescott Park in Portsmouth, gives regular uh, public sales, but this is going to be a sunset sale on September 29th. It's going to start at 4.30 p.m. We're going to have music and food on board and also a silent auction with just a handful of prizes in the silent auction. And could you say something about the print you're donating for that auction? Yeah, so speaking of the image we were just talking about, um, we're going to be auctioning off a 
pretty large, 16 by 16, uh, signed single edition of that print um, in a custom frame. I have a, my, my friend Jake in New Hampshire made a, a frame out of a kind of nautical boat uh, building wood called Sapili. And so we have a totally one-of-a-kind print in a totally one-of-a-kind frame um, to help do some fundraising for you that we're going we're gonna to do some auctioning of. So really excited uh, to go on the cruise and to also share this art with, uh, with you and the community. Yeah, and it's great that not only uh, – thank you so much for donating the print, of course. Yeah, you're very welcome. But also you're going to be on the, the sale, so uh, perhaps you can say a few words to people and explain what it's all about, which I think Absolutely. will add, add a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's it's one of the maybe the centerpiece of this whole event. Uh, so I hope people I hope we'll see some people listening uh, on that the boat that that evening. It's so be uh, I'll just mention that if people want to learn more about that and reserve a spot, they can go to Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse singular Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse dot org, and there's information about it and a link to uh, tickets on there. So hope we'll see some listeners on board. So uh, do you have any other projects in mind that might relate to lighthouses in any way? You were saying how you kind of picked lighthouses as a subject, partly because they're, it's as simple as they're tall buildings. Yeah. But you yeah. also said you'd become more interested in lighthouses. So I'm wondering if there's any more lighthouse projects on your horizon. One of the problems is there's like a never-ending supply of lighthouses. And so, well, I mean, you know this. How many books have you written about lighthouses, right? Like, uh, this is, it's very tempting for me to go, now that I've done an East Coast project and be like, maybe I'll do a West Coast project or Great Lakes or something. So I have to think about it, but I suspect this won't be my last engagement with lighthouses as a subject. Um, mm -hmm. My next project will probably involve a little less traveling. I think I put <laughs> like seven or 8,000 miles on my car over the last year doing this. So um, I'm going to take a breather from that, but I, I highly doubt this will be my last, uh, my last lighthouse project kind of themed project and believe it or not like i mentioned earlier there's still a couple going in this project um i have a, mm -hmm. i won't mention where they are not that i don't trust your listeners but i try and keep it <laughs> secret where these little things are hidden um sure but, but uh I, I i do need to go do a couple trips and still retrieve them and formally close this project out so mm -hmm. um we'll see probably not the last you'll hear of me <laughs> i hope i hope not uh, certainly. So, anything else exciting in the works? And it doesn't have to be lighthouse related. What do you What are you involved in right now, photographic wise? Anything other than just general uh, landscape and stuff? I like. Uh, so, one of the cool things about solar graphs is it gives you this very different perspective into things. Maybe that's mm -hmm. why I like doing backpacking trip photography too, right? Like you, you can go deep into the forest somewhere, and and kind of record something that is not commonly seen. Solar graphs are similar. Like there's really no other way to capture time in this radical way. So I think a lot about like using photography or film to uh, see the world very differently than we normally can. Like we're inundated with photographs on social media and stuff. Like it, the, the whole world is, is photographed incessantly these days. So it's fun to try and get an angle where you can see things really differently. And so mm -hmm. I suspect my next project will be, I haven't finalized it, but I think it'll be on infrared film, which is, um, a very different way of seeing things. I mean, our eyes literally can't see it. Um, but I, yeah. I have a cache of old antique infrared film in my freezer and a camera that can use it and a bunch of filters that cut out natural light and only light infrared through. And mm -hmm. so there's some historical um, locations around North Jersey that I really like that work well, I think, with this. It's kind of spooky. It's kind of ghostly. Yeah. So, um, I, 
I think my next project will be on infrared, but I need to keep practicing with it and using it. It's just like solar graphs. There's like a big learning curve to it. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think over the next year or so that'll, that'll probably be my jam. Uh-huh. Well, I hope you might decide to do some infrared images of lighthouses. Of lighthouses, right? I know. That could be really cool, right? And it could. Yeah, don't get me started. Like, the paint will actually come out differently and interesting. The day marks will look different. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, that sounds, sounds pretty exciting. I was thinking as you were speaking about Beacons Through Time, how, you know, photography is obviously t a two-dimensional medium, although, you know, photographs with focus and everything sort of have depth to them, so it becomes three-dimensional in a way, but you're adding another dimension, a fourth dimension to that, the dimension of time, which yeah. is, is pretty pretty unique. I can't think of any other types of photography that have, have done that. Maybe there are, but... Uh, yeah, you have time lapses, mm -hmm. but this is really different. That's true. This is yeah, very different. Well, time from... lapse is a form of uh, video or, or video, film. Exactly. Yeah. You, so eh, that's like not quite the same, but it's sort of similar. You know, here's a weird thing about solar graphs. I don't really think there's a way to do this digitally either. I've seen a mm -hmm. couple people take stabs at it, but it's very hard. Like the the it's one of these weird instances where the best way to do something is the old school way to do something, where you're mm -hmm. using a pinhole and you're using. I mean, I use expired darker and paper from the '80s, and that's what gives me my the best results. And okay. I don't really think there's a way to do this digitally. Mm -hmm. That's that's effective. Yeah, well, you're making me think there are people uh, doing, of course, nighttime digital photography at night at lighthouses and capturing the stars and the Milky Way and everything in the images. So in a sense, that's an image through time, but a much shorter space of time. Mm -hmm. It might be a, a minute or, or you know, a few seconds, a minute, a few minutes, but it's not months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the only way to go that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have one final question for you for bonus points. Yeah. Okay. And that question is, what has been your favorite thing about your Beacons Through Time project? It's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of time and travel. Uh, and I'm thrilled with the images. The By far the most fun thing about this project was meeting so many people. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to actually thank everyone, including you, right? So I called you pretty early on in this project and you're really re you're receptive to it. And again, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this photography thing. I'm going to you know, duct tape a tin can with photo paper in it to, to, <laughs> to the wall near your lighthouse for a while. Could I do that? And you took a risk and said yes. And most people are like that. And so for me, the engagement with um, people like you, so I have so many awesome memories going up and down the coast, learning. Um, I, I think uh, the, the stewards of these lights were so generous with their time and knowledge. That's been so much fun. So I have, I have, just a treasure of memories, uh, meeting some of the nicest people up and down the coast who, who were willing to take a risk on this and, and collaborate with me. So that's easily my favorite part. Um, mm -hmm. And that's still kind of bearing fruit. I mean, I'm still here getting emails from people and I've been sending prints around to people and things like that. And so that's just been fun. And I feel like I've, I've, uh, it's been a great opportunity to, to build relationships with, with some really nice people who are giving a lot of their time to preserve these places. So um yeah cheesy answer yeah. maybe but it's not at honestly, all not at all it's really like the yeah the, i've met such such nice people and i'm so thankful for them yeah lighthouse people are some of the nicest people around yeah i've learned that yeah and i think i yeah. told you um did i tell you i'm the resident artist at fort sumter this year too no uh, so fun thing fort sumter and fort moultrie national historic park are uh kind of piloting the the artist and park program and so 
still finalizing the exact details, but I'll be giving a talk down there in October about uh, mm-hmm. Sullivan's Island or Charleston Light. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I'm pretty cool. So, Fantastic. Yeah, what a joy it's been to, to meet all these people. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, just uh, before we wrap things up, I'll just mention again your website, primitivepines.com. If people want it, so there is a section devoted to the Beacons Through Time project, right? Yep. People can read more about yeah, it and see some of the images. And then I think photography, and then it's in there. You can see, actually, this is kind of a fun thing. You can see the development from playing around during COVID with Morris County solographs. So my kind of first try at this. And you yep. can see the difference between that and, and, the, and the Lighthouse project, Beacons Through Time, and how I've uh, progressed. And yeah, my contact information is there. Um, one thing I'll highlight is this is a pretty low barrier to entry form of art. You do not need a super expensive digital camera. You do not need a ton of precision. You can try this and mm-hmm. I'm happy to talk you through it. I mentioned earlier, I wrote an article for emulsive.org that talks about kind of the, the technical details of how I did this. But um, anyone out there who wants to give this a spin, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. Just like how you said lighthouse people are really nice, like solograph people are also really nice. There's a there's a surprisingly big network, even here in New Jersey. I, I mean, I'm part of the New Jersey Pinhole Club, huh. which, which is how cool is it that there's a pinhole photographer? There's enough pinhole photographers in New Jersey that my friend Heather has like set up a club for us. But wow. people are very willing to share knowledge. And so yeah. um, feel free to reach out to me if you want to take this first spin yourself. Yeah, I would love to see more lighthouse people get involved in this. So thank you for bringing that up. Maybe you talked about next projects. Like maybe the next project is a community project. Yeah, and the maybe. U.S. Lighthouse Society could possibly help coordinate that. Well, we've got some stuff to talk about. Maybe we yeah, do. We do. Be, that could be really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> to be continued for sure. Uh, so Christian Fiedler, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's been a lot of fun since you first contacted me, and I did uh, latch on to it right away. And I just want to say that the uh, the lighthouse again, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse is on a Coast Guard station. It took a little explaining to get the Coast Guard to understand it, uh, but they did and they gave permission and I thank them for that. I'm really glad they did because it came out so great. So yeah. again, Christian, thank you so much. And I'm sure I'll see you around the the lighthouses. I'll see you on September 29th. And again, I hope some of our listeners will be on that event so they can meet us and learn more about uh, the project and see a beautiful frame print of your Portsmouth Harbor lighthouse photograph thank you yeah i'll see you in a few weeks thank you again so much for having me on to see his beacons through time solographs and other photography by christian fiedler visit his website at primitivepines.com you can also buy prints of his work on the site I love this project, uh, his Beacons Through Time project, and it's a pleasure working with Christian. As we talked about in the interview, probably the most interesting image in the project was the one captured at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. As Christian explained, the footbridge out to the lighthouse looks ghostly in the image because it was washed away in a storm about halfway through the exposure. Yeah, it was sad that the walkway was destroyed, but at least something positive came out of it. Yeah, I think so. And uh, hopefully we'll be back giving tours next year if we uh, get that walkway rebuilt by then. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. I'll remind everyone again that a signed framed print of the Portsmouth Harbor Light Solar Graph will be auctioned on the sunset sale from Portsmouth uh, on September 29th. Again, details are at PortsmouthHarborLighthouse.org. So, Michelle, please help me tell everyone about our next guest. I'd be happy to. 
This summer, for the first time ever, the U.S. Lighthouse Society held a dance contest centered around National Lighthouse Day on August 7th. Everyone was asked to dance at lighthouses to the same song on or close to National Lighthouse Day. The song was Meet Me at the Lighthouse, a song written and performed for the occasion by Massachusetts musician Joe Rivers. Joe stated that he wanted to express hope and bring people together with the song. Entries came in from 10 different states. Judging was a challenge with so many strong entries. Winners included videos from Whitehead Light Station in Maine, Fire Island in New York, Nobska, Massachusetts, and Seconet in Rhode Island. A special youth prize went to young dancers from McDonough Grimes Irish Dance in New Hampshire. The first prize winner was shot at Yaquinahead Lighthouse in Oregon and was produced by Sabrina Gorney. The creative video is in black and white and made to look like a movie from many years ago. A lighthouse keeper in uniform is going about his work when he is interrupted by mysterious dancers who disrupt his routine. The $500 first prize was donated to Friends of Yaquina Lights. I recently had a chance to speak with the producer, Sabrina Gorney. Let's listen to that now. I'm speaking today with Sabrina Gorney, who is the producer of the video that has won our first ever National Lighthouse Day Dance Contest. Uh, welcome, Sabrina, and congratulations on being the winner. Hello. Thank you. We had such a great time participating. I could tell. Anybody <laughs> watching the video, I think, would would see what a, what a good time you had, which is a big part of what the event was all about. We're, we're trying to uh, give people a reason to have fun. I think there's not enough fun in the world today. So uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people around the country had a good time with this. Uh, we got a variety of entries from around the country. I believe we had entries from 10 different states. I was very pleased with their participation. Some of the entries were pretty basic, uh, not that they weren't great. They were all great, but some were just simply people dancing at a lighthouse, You know, some just improvised, some a little bit more choreographed. Uh, some were kind of edited like music videos, maybe not necessarily a lot of dancing, but editing to the music and doing doing a great job in that way. Yours was unique in the sense that it was sort of a short film that happened to just be set to the the song. And I love that about it. I have a little bit of a filmmaking background and I loved the, almost is like a, a short uh, film really. And um, let me ask you, first of all, if you were describing it to somebody, what would you say is the plot or storyline of, of this little film? So the plot is um, the headkeeper is out on the headland um, and he is doing his work. Uh, and suddenly he realizes uh, that the inspector is due. Um, lighthouses, of course, were regularly inspected um, and it was a surprise inspection. And so he knows that sometime in the future, the lighthouse inspector will be there um, and he has to make sure that the headland is ready. Everything looks clean. Um, and so he's trying to do that. He's trying to get all his work done. Um, and then uh, some ladies show up and they start dancing. Um, and so they're kind of distracting him and they're getting in the way. Um, and then he has some visitors to the lighthouse. Um, and Excuse me, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Don't give away the ending. You can describe okay. everything. Don't give away the ending if people have I won't seen. give away <laughs> the ending then. And though, yeah, the visitors are there and he's trying to entertain the visitors uh, in between all of this and the dancers are there uh, distracting him and sort of mortifying the visitors with their odd behavior. Uh, but then it looks fun. Um, and I think that the visitors uh, become tempted and they start to join the dancers. So one by one, the visitors go from being proper Victorians to being to joining the original dancers and the group of dancers grows um, until the end. 
Uh, eventually, um, right as everybody begins dancing, uh, the inspector comes uh, and everything is in disarray. There are clothes and props all over the place uh, and the keeper is very distressed. Um, and so it looks quite bad for him when the inspector arrives. Mm -hmm. I, I love the whole idea of it. You know, as a lot of lighthouse buffs know, people listening to this uh, podcast are usually uh, into uh, lighthouses, you know, lighthouse history and stuff. And they know that the lighthouse inspector could show up uh, unannounced and do a basically a white glove inspection. And that was really important. Uh, the keeper had to get a good good mark on that or he might lose his job. So the idea of it, it becoming a nightmare for this keeper when the inspector visits with these dancers in the way and everything, I think it's pretty hilarious. So who came up with that whole idea? That was me. Um, the main concept was mostly mine. Um, we had a production meeting and we all had brainstormed prior to that. We discussed our ideas um, and mine was the one that we decided on. Um, then I wrote a script and I incorporated bits and pieces of uh, the other suggestions that were made at the meeting. Uh, and that's kind of how we arrived at the plot that we mm -hmm. have. Yeah, there's a lot of great touches that I really love. One of my favorites is the part where they're uh, playing a game with like uh, hoops on uh, throwing them back and forth with sticks, which I guess might be based on an actual period game played back back then. Yeah, is that, that correct? Game, that's correct. That game is called uh, the graces. Um, and so you try to, you know, gracefully pass the stick or pass okay. the, the sticks. Yeah. Well, uh, in the middle of that, one of the, 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 of course, the dancers disrupted and uh, one of the, not you, but another dancer, uses one of the hoops as a hula hoop for, for a little bit. I think, thought that was really funny. I love that. So let me ask you, uh, you, uh, you were basically, you were the producer of this. Is that correct? That's correct. Do, do you have a filmmaking background? I do not. Um, I have a background in dance. Um, so I've done some dance performances and I've done a lot of creative writing, but this was my first time working with technology and that was uniquely challenging because none of us knew how to edit. Wow. Well, you certainly learned. We <laughs> it did. looked very professionally done. Yeah, we used iMovie. Um, and actually, so my colleague, Matt, uh, was the one who did most of the editing. And so he went into iMovie um, and I kind of provided the direction for, you know, when things would be cut and what would go where. Uh, and then he did all of the technical arranging. Uh, who else was involved? Can you say a little bit about the? The other cast members? Yeah, so we had a lot of people involved. It was really good. We had, so Matt was the editor, and then I was the producer, and then we had a production board that all contributed ideas um, and leadership. And so on that board, we have Andrew. Um, he knows a lot about lighthouses. We have Miranda, and she helped us a little bit with the editing. She has a background with film, um, and so her uh, kind of guidance was very helpful. And then um, one of my other colleagues, Italo, was on the production board. Uh, and he did some changes to the script uh, to make everybody a little bit more comfortable with it. Then on our cast, so the other main dancer in the video, that's Whitney. She's the one who was hula hooping. Um, mm -hmm. She has really great energy. Um, and then we had uh, my other friends, Sabrina and Ricardo, and then Ricardo's partner, Lila. Mm -hmm. Everybody was great, and uh, Andrew was great as the keeper. I've interviewed him on this podcast before, and uh, he was he was just perfect. I love his uh, befuddled looks in some of the the scenes. I, I uh, think Andrew and Italo really got into character. Um, they I definitely identify with their roles a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
it looked like everybody had so much fun making it. Was it as much fun as it looked like? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the exteriors were shot at Yaquina Head Lighthouse. And uh, we went back and forth by email. I was under the impression that maybe the interiors were shot at Yaquina Bay Lighthouse, which uh, is uh, under different management and so forth, but they're not too far from each other. And it's kind of restored in a period way. So I thought maybe it was there, but it was not, right? It was all shot at Yaquina Head. Is that right? That's correct. So there's like a, is there a, like an entrance room or something? I never got inside the tower at Yaquina Head. There's some sort of uh, workroom that is set up to look like that. Is that right? That's right. So we have the tower um, and then there is a small, it kind of looks like a small cabin attached to the front. People think that the keepers lived in there, uh, but of course the keepers did not. They had their own quarters. Um, and what that little um, that little square building is, is it's divided into two rooms. Um, one side is the oil room where they kept all the fuel. And then the other side is the work room um, where the keeper would be when he was on watch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. As I was telling you before we started the interview here, we're definitely going to do this uh, contest again next year. It might take some different, might be some different, uh, you know, uh, ingredients to it. May or may not be the same song. We're not quite sure about a lot of it yet, but I hope you'll be taking part in it again. I hope maybe you're already thinking towards next year uh, because uh, we'd love to have uh, you, you uh, enter it again. You did such a good job. Certainly. Um, I definitely would need to talk to my team about it. It's very difficult to get everyone together, but mm -hmm. I think we would like to, if possible. Yeah. Well, I sure hope so. Uh, so uh, as the first prize winner, you'll be getting $500. Can you tell me where that money is going? So we are donating it to the partner organization, uh, the nonprofit organization that helps uh, the lighthouse. Um, so that's called Friends of Yaquina Lighthouses, um, and they'll be getting the you know, all of the prize money um, in order to contribute to the upkeep of the lighthouse. That is excellent. You are to be commended for, for doing that. I'm sure I know for a nonprofits like that, every dollar is important uh, these days, maybe more than ever. Very, very important. So thank you for doing that. So Sabrina Gorney, I want to thank you so much for taking part in our contest and for putting so much work into it. You know, I, I really appreciate the work you put into this. As a little bit of a filmmaker myself, uh, I, I know I know what goes into this kind of thing. So uh, it's it's wonderful. I loved it, and congratulations on winning again. And thanks for spending some time with me today, Sabrina. I appreciate it. Thank you. Go to the U.S. Lighthouse Society website at uslhs.org and look under What's New to see all the winners in the dance contest. You can also see them on the U.S. LHS YouTube channel. Thanks again to all who participated in the dance contest and thanks to today's guests, Sabrina Gorney and Christian Fiedler. I think you have a quote about dancing, right, Michelle? I sure do, Jeremy. The author William W. Perky once wrote, quote, You've got to dance like there's nobody watching. Love like you'll never be hurt, sing like there's nobody listening, and live like it's heaven on earth, end quote. Yeah, I think that might be a familiar quote to a lot of people, but it's a really good one, I think. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I think it's excellent advice. I want to remind everyone that if you listen to this podcast with Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us. On next week's episode, we're going to learn about the Door County Maritime Museum in Wisconsin. Until then, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. Smile, I'm gonna let it shine.
Shine, let it shine.